is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. There comes a time when we either embrace the truth or remain in darkness forever. The Lions Unchained podcast offers you the light of God's truth. The rest is up to you. Join Carl Joseph now for a powerful, life-changing word. Friend, today we will discuss two theological or doctrinal viewpoints that greatly impact the way you see God, and these viewpoints are Calvinism and Armenianism. These terms will never reach 80 to 90% of Christians in their lifetime as they're taught in seminary schools, but I think it's important to share these viewpoints with you. In fact, you may be shocked to find out the fruit of these two doctrines heavily influences the sermons your pastor preaches each and every Sunday. Now, you may or may not realize, but depending upon which church denomination you attend, it will adopt one of these two theological viewpoints. These two doctrines were developed by two famous men in the 16th century, living decades apart. Albeit, I will say, one doctrine is correct in its interpretation of God's Word, and the other is very wrong. Later on in this broadcast, I'm going to share with you the denominations that wrongly believe in Calvinism and rightly believe in Arminianism. The truth is that Calvinism, which I sincerely believe to be a false teaching and rooted in Gnosticism, has in fact infiltrated the Protestant church in recent years, even the evangelical church. If one studies the early church fathers, you'll soon realize they were staunch and rightly divided the word of God up until about the 3rd century AD. This was around the time the Roman Emperor Constantine declared Christianity as a national religion and anyone who was a citizen of Rome or living within its provinces automatically became a Christian. This, of course, watered down the true gospel friend because it was no longer a choice to follow Christ but a part of the rights of citizenship. Coincidentally, it was around this time that Gnosticism began to infiltrate the church. This false doctrine started in Alexandria, Egypt, and spread like wildfire throughout the region. As the Orthodox Jews preserved the biblical text that we now enjoy, the corrupt Alexandrian branch of liberal scholars, however, were responsible for the source text of all modern and corrupt Bible versions since 1881. It was these corrupt Egyptian Essenes who did not hold to the Torah and ended up believing in false teachings like reincarnation, evolution, and predestination based on their so-called doctrine of emanations. In fact, Josephus speaks of this when he says, and I quote, They were vegetarians, they were ascetic, denied the bodily resurrection, kept the names of angels, learned the quality of roots and stones. They had their own special form of exorcism, had books on charms and magic, and interpreted dreams. Then we have the famous Simon Magus, who's found in Acts chapter 8, verse 18, who held to the Gnostic teachings and is considered by some the very father of Gnosticism. It was he who desired the gift of the Holy Spirit in order to make money. His motives were impure. The early church fathers, Irenaeus and Hippolytus, spoke of this evil man, saying, and I quote, Simon called Magus used exorcisms and incantations, potions and charms, as well as those being who are called the paradigms or familiar spirits, and dream senders. Hippolytus said he, Simon Magus, allegorized much scripture to support his teachings, especially Genesis, unquote. 
Notice that Hippolytus said Magus was the first to allegorize Scripture. Now, we at DHOP preach that if the plain sense of the Scripture makes sense, seek no other sense. Therefore, allegory is only applicable in Scripture where it's obvious or implied within the text. We take the Bible literally, friend, even though only about 24% of Americans take it literally today. But what does this all have to do with me, Pastor? You sound like an encyclopedia. Well, I would like to give credit to the learned scholar Dr. Ken Johnson at this point for his extensive research, having discovered that Calvin was witness to the increasing oppressive nature of the Catholic Church in the 16th century, and he sought a means to curtail its spread. Now, as you know, the Catholic Church locked up God's Word in monasteries, withheld the truth from the common man, and through a series of so-called indulgences, they would coerce people to pay money in order to free their family members from the fantastical place called Purgatory, which is probably just down the road from Disney World and has no mention in God's Word whatsoever. Calvin was so greatly angered by this spiritual abuse of ignorant Catholics, having witnessed it firsthand in the mid-1500s, that he researched the teachings of Augustine and surmised that he could utilize this Gnostic teaching of predestination as a weapon against the papacy. So what is predestination exactly? Well, it means that God has already chosen those who will be saved before he created everybody and decided beforehand who will go to heaven and who is predestined for hell itself. Sounds fair, right? It isn't. Calvin's dastardly tactic was this. If the Pope of Rome could not ensure the salvation of the people through indulgences, but people were predestined to either heaven or hell, as Calvin proposed, then the Pope would immediately lose his power over the ignorant masses because money would no longer get them out of purgatory. Calvin was, of course, a highly skilled lawyer, and by utilizing the law, he finally broke from the Catholic Church in 1530 AD, using this very predestination technicality as the devastating weapon against Rome. From his writings, we know that Calvin did not believe the Romish system, but saw Catholicism as the earthly display of the coming Antichrist, along with Charles Spurgeon, who believed this to be the case also. Therefore, using this radical Gnostic idea of predestination, which denied the free will of man, Calvin introduced a new theology to Christendom in opposition to Rome. Unfortunately, however, although predestination did free some people from the clutches of the Catholic Church at the time and its sacraments and indulgences, it exchanged one lie for another. Instead of the seven sacraments being a means to salvation, man's free will to choose the gospel was taken away also. The common man went from the frying pan into the fire because one lie was exchanged for another. Predestination is an unscriptural teaching friend where God has loaded the dice, having chosen in advance who will end up in heaven or hell, and man's personal choice becomes redundant. This teaching created a spiritual apathy in Europe that withdrew from the evangelistic outreaches and the churches of the 19th and 20th centuries effectively died a slow death in Europe as Darwin's theory of evolution concurrently gained momentum. Now, I have personal disdain for this teaching of predestination or Calvinism because it's the very teaching under which I was raised in the Anglican Church of Wales, which is a branch of the Protestant Church. In my opinion, it's one of the main reasons why only 2% of people attend church in Great Britain. It creates a passive religious outlook, exhibiting spiritual impotence and producing a weak church subject to powers beyond its control. It also harbors a victim mentality, serving a potentate God who seems indifferent to personal circumstances nor cares for anybody in particular. 
In Calvin's mind, God cannot place a condition on man for salvation, like repentance and choosing Jesus as Savior, because man is totally depraved and incapable of accepting God's free gift. Calvinists teach God must use an irresistible grace to force only those he wants to be saved into saving relationship. Therefore, election into salvation becomes a decision made by God only, not man, and cannot be refused. This is false teaching, friend, but it was the key to loosing the hold that the Pope had on the entire European populace at the time. Because of Calvin's ingenious strategy, one by one, European countries became Protestant nations, eventually leading to conflict in Europe in the form of the Thirty Years' War, which was fought from 1618 AD to 1648 AD between the Roman Catholics and the Calvinistic Protestants. Now, one of the major opponents of Calvinism, and rightfully so, was Jacob Arminius, born in Uderwater, Netherlands, in 1560. He realized that this false doctrine of Calvinism, spawned by Gnostics in the latter part of the 3rd century, was going way too far and distorting God's word in the process. If we are predestined for salvation before we're even born, then of course sin becomes irrelevant. Why would the Apostle Paul teach us to avoid sin at all costs, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, if everyone's fate was already sealed by God? nonsense. No, friend, God draws us to him by the Holy Spirit, but we have the final decision of whether we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, Jacob Arminius researched many historical writings to find out precisely where this Calvinistic teaching started, and he found out that none other than Augustine was the key influencer of Calvin's teachings. Believe it or not, Augustine was part of a Gnostic cult himself for about eight years, called the Manichaeans, founded in 252 AD by a man called Mani. He mixed Christianity with Gnosticism. Anyway, he later reverted back to Orthodox Christianity, but by then, friend, the seeds of discord and falsity had already been sown, so the train had left the station. Now, after the death of Jacob Arminius in 1609 AD, his followers developed the Remonstrance of 1610, which outlined the five points of Arminianism. So, one year before the publication of the mighty King James Bible, when God's holy word was distributed to the common man, God set the record straight by producing this Remonstrance statement in which the correct doctrine was finally established. Now, let me share these five tenets with you. Number one, free will. Man can do nothing to save himself, but he chooses to accept God's free gift of salvation. Number two, conditional election. The body of Christ is predestined for salvation, but only for those who've chosen Christ. Salvation is based on God's foreknowledge of who will freely accept his gift. Number three, universal atonement. Christ's death is universal in that it paid for the sins of every single person who ever lived, but not all people will be saved. Each person must exercise his free will and accept the free gift of salvation. Number four, obstructible grace. God wants all men to be saved and the Holy Spirit will draw people to God, but each person can resist the call also and damn himself to hell by the rejection of the free gift. Number five, falling from grace. Just as it is possible to resist God's call of grace and refuse to be saved in the first place, it's also possible to become a Christian and then choose to walk away from your salvation under very rare circumstances of persistent rebellion. No one goes to heaven against their free will, friend, and it is better to have never known the way of righteousness than to turn from it.
Now, in the 1700s, John Wesley began teaching these five points of remonstrance. And this is one of the reasons why God blessed his ministry at the time. Wesley indeed stoked the hearts of the British people and founded the Methodist movement, as you know. But the irony is today, the Methodists choose to follow the false Calvinistic doctrine and don't give altar calls most of the time in their churches. So which Protestant denominations today follow these false teachings of Calvinism? Let me list a few of them for you right now. Anglican Missions in America, Council of Revival Ministries, Evangelical Covenant Order, United Church of Canada, United Church of Christ, Primitive Baptists, Reformed Baptists, Traditional Lutherans, Mennonite Church, uh, the Grace Brethren Churches, even the Methodists today. These all follow, and the Episcopal denominations follow, Calvinism. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who attends these churches, friend, is not saved by Jesus Christ, okay? As Brother Hagen used to say, you can be right in your heart and wrong in your head, okay? God knows the heart, friend. But let me read for you now a list of the denominations that follow the correct doctrine of Arminianism today, and that would be the Baptists. Southern and non-Southern, all right? The Pentecostals, the majority of non-denominational churches also. Charismatic churches, prophetic churches, Church of the Nazarene, the Holiness Movement, the Apostolic Churches, the Word of Faith Teachers and Churches, and finally the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Amen. And just for the record, I believe that many Catholics are truly saved as well. So please understand that it's just that their teachings do not line up with the Bible. God judges the heart, friend, and he knows the heart of a person. What I'm saying is that the doctrine of Calvinism is a false doctrine, which removes free will from the equation, and salvation is therefore out of your hands. It also means that preachers who follow this Calvinistic doctrine have no need to evangelize or share the gospel, because as far as they're concerned, the dice is all already loaded. In other words, God has already chosen those who will be saved and who won't. Have you noticed that Calvinistic preachers do not give altar calls within their church walls? And this is very disturbing. It's the church I grew up in and breeds lukewarm, confused Christians who deny God's Holy Spirit and power today in the body of Christ. The trouble is these Calvinistic Christians don't know whether they're saved or not. They've never been engaged with the true gospel, friend. These people can be sitting in church their whole lives and never hear the true gospel or receive Jesus Christ. It is so sad. And the teachers will give an account to God for this false doctrine and ignorance that they have espoused to their sheep. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded. So stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button.